Live from Kansas City, Missouri, the home of the 2023 NFL Draft. It's Unnecessary Roughness, brought to you by Paul Padalaw and Subaru of Las Vegas. Here's your boy Q. Here we go, Raider Nation. Here we go, Raider Nation. Here we go, Raider Nation. Bringing the unnecessary back to unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Demond Cotton in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio after holding it down. Him and Jared holding it down for me yesterday. I do appreciate them and their efforts. And I am back today. We will have no draft day knuffle, confuffle, whatever that word is, screw up. You know what I mean. We won't have any of those draft day errors uh, here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Everything is worked out, all our technical difficulties. And I'll tell you right now, man, I've gone through hell and high water to make sure that I was on the radio this afternoon, but there was not going to be another afternoon show that I was not a part of here on Raider Nation Radio 920, especially with the 2023 NFL Draft right around the corner from us. And we are live in Kansas City right now, excited about being here. Usually when it comes to me, it's travel. Something happens in the travel time, and that's where it all goes wrong. This time it had nothing to do with travel. It all had to do with technical difficulties and getting everything to work. And, you know, without getting too technical, just a lot of things went wrong to make uh, yesterday not happen for me. Uh, But here we are today, excited about the opportunity and excited about what we've done already this morning. Well, it's this afternoon now, but it's been a very long day so far uh, as we come to you. And it's 2 o'clock on the dot here. But in Missouri, obviously, it's uh, 4 o'clock right now. And we've been out to uh, a a field, a high school earlier, where 2023 NFL draft prospects were on site, like Jordan Addison, the wide receiver out of USC, Will Anderson, linebacker out of Alabama, Paris Johnson Jr., tackle out of Ohio State, Cornerback Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon actually had a chance to talk to him. Talked to Jalen Carter real briefly. Uh, C.J. Stroud got a chance to talk with him. Uh, Tyree Wilson had a nice little convo with him. He was out there as well. Uh, nice nice uh, contingency of players that are going to be in the green room tomorrow uh, here at the, the draft in Kansas City. So uh, we had an opportunity to talk to them. Went over to a barbecue spot uh, across town a little after that and uh, met with some of the guys from NFL Network like Joel Klatt. And Daniel Jeremiah, Charles Davis. Matter of fact, Charles Davis is as usual as a usual guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Uh, got an opportunity to catch up with him as well. So in the next, you know, today and also tomorrow, leading into the first round of the draft, we'll be able to hear from some of the prospects that I got a chance to talk to. Some were one-on-one, some were in group settings, but uh, just being able to catch up with a few of the guys was really cool. And then also talking to. Uh, the draft analyst, like I said, DJ Charles Davis, and also Joel Clatt. Matter of fact, Joel Clatt, I'll tell you right now, you'll hear from him around 3.30 this afternoon. The, had a little conversation talking defense with him and thought it was pretty fun. And then uh, actually one of my good friends, Haley Sutton, who covers the Dallas Cowboys, uh, she was at the spot as well waiting to talk to, to Joel Clatt right after me. And we started talking about trades and how far the Raiders could trade back and still get an alpha dog. And so he's going through and he's going through his, his computer and looking at his numbers and looking at his mock draft that he has turned in. And it was really cool because he took it so seriously. Like, okay, uh, instead of just throwing a number at me, like, oh, 15, 16, he's like, okay, well, let me see. Here's this team. Maybe this team could do that. And then he saw Haley, who covers the Cowboys, and he said, you know, if the Cowboys trade up because they want B. John Robinson, they could trade up all the way from 26 all the way up to 7. Uh, the Raiders would get a big haul back, and they could still get a guy like an Emmanuel Forbes. That's who we had brought up, Emmanuel Forbes, uh, the f- quarterback out of Mississippi State. And so it's funny. So he's all, you see how this worked? Like, look, the Cowboys, Raiders, boom, boom. And, and so, yeah, it was pretty cool little, um, you know, exchange that we had with Joel Clapp. But like I said, you'll hear the conversation 
coming up at 3.30. Excited about the guests that we have coming up on the show today. Damon and Jared kept going with our Unnecessary Roughness mock draft. And, Damon, I got to ask you, man, as you guys did a good job in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, I do appreciate you. Um, was there anyone who came off the board yesterday that was a surprise, was a shock? What happened yesterday on the mock draft when uh, I was not a part of? Um, I'll just give you the rundown. Only had three picks yesterday. Brian Branch. Michael Duraco okay. took him for the Jaguars. Nice. Not so much a, a you know, not yeah. a, not a big surprise there. I think this is the not a shocker, but didn't expect him to go in the first round. Jalen Hyatt went to the Giants. Wow, that was okay. Adam Candy. Nice. Okay. Okay. And I Michael like and Michael Mayer was the tight end. Kyle Yeomans took him for the Cowboys. Ooh, there you go, Kyle. It's funny. Haley and Kyle actually work together. So uh, there you go. And I didn't see Kyle earlier, so he must have stayed back in Big D uh, doing the draft coverage for the Cowboys there, and she came up here to Kansas City. So uh, it's really cool to also be able to run into some of your friends while you're on the road and, you know, you get to see him at Super Bowl. And, of course, my man Foss is in town, so I ran into uh, Steve Foster a little little while ago. And, of course, why wouldn't I, right? I'm always going to run into Foss. So he was, uh, he was here, and we talked a, a few minutes. And, as a matter of fact, I tweeted out a picture of me uh, interviewing uh, Christian Gonzalez a little while ago, and it's funny because the only reason I got that picture is because Foss took it, <laughs> right? So I had no idea. I was up there talking to Christian Gonzalez, a little one-on-one action, and next thing I know, after it was over, uh, Foss said, hey, man, I got a really good picture of you and, and Christian Gonzalez. I'm going to send it over to you. So he did. And I was like, oh, that is pretty pretty dope. So uh, that's what happens when you have multiple people with you. You could take pictures of the people you're talking to, which I would love to be able to do all that, but uh, he got a good picture of me talking to Christian Gonzalez, so I tweeted that out at your boy Q254 and just said, cornerback one, question mark, Raider, potential Raider, question mark, and got a lot of responses, a lot of likes, of course. But, uh, yeah, he was he was a good dude, man, and, and uh, liked talking to him. Uh, didn't get a chance to talk to Devin Witherspoon. It was a guy that I wanted to talk to. Uh, didn't really get an opportunity to catch up with him. Anthony Richardson was a fun conversation. He was really cool to talk to. Jalen Carter was kind of guarded, as you can expect because of everything that's going on. And uh, he had some he had some people from Sirius XM radio that was talking to him. And they were really – I mean, they were asking him some some decent questions about the whole everything that's gone down and how he's had an opportunity to, to kind of rebuild his uh, stock ever since the, the combine. But it was really – it was tough. I mean, it, it was tough to get a word in besides those guys, right? So after they were done talking, it was like one other question was asked about uh, Bryce Young, and then all of a sudden one of the handlers came over and was basically saying, oh, he's got to go. Uh, it's time to go to lunch, or this thing is getting wrapped up. And uh, for the most part it was. I think a lot of the people were starting to wrap up, but Jalen Carter was a, a little guarded. It wasn't as easy to catch up with him. C.J. Stroud I thought was really good. I'll tell you this, Devon. C.J. Stroud sounded like he'd be very comfortable to be a Raider. Very, very comfortable to be a Raider. And I asked him about being in Vegas over the weekend for the fight. He was there. Uh, There's a picture of him and Max Crosby. And he said, yeah, that was really cool. Uh, I got a lot of family members that want me to be a Raider. Uh, you know, they're, they've been, they're cheering for me to be a Raider. Uh, the facility was really cool. I asked him about his comment that he made about the Raiders uh, at the Combine where he said that they were all about business. They were all about football. So I said, did you like that approach? And he said, yeah, but I, I actually got to know them more. And they're really cool guys. Uh, he, he sounded – oh, I almost broke my chair. <laughs> I'm, I, almost, I almost broke this chair. <laughs> that, that could have been all bad. <laughs> so, wow, there you go. That was fun. Life on the road. So, uh, yeah, so uh, he, he said that he got to, got to uh, you know, know them and everything and, and really kind of like them. So uh, that, was, that was, like I said, you'll hear that conversation but either today or you'll hear it uh, tomorrow before the first round gets started. But uh, he sounded very comfortable. Like he, he would have no problem being a member of the Raiders. So uh, I, I thought that that was a nice little uh, takeaway that I had with him. 
Uh, Tyree Wilson, got to talk to him and talk to him about uh, the conversation that we had with his co- head coach, Joey McGuire, uh, just a week ago or so here on Unnecessary Roughness and uh, asked him about that, him checking himself back into the game because he didn't want TCU to score. And he was like, yeah, man, that's, that's just who I am. He, he talked about playing across from Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, and he would like to do that as well. Uh, so there's that. There's a lot of good stuff to unpack coming live from Kansas City. Uh, i got to be careful on what chairs I sit on around here. Apparently I, uh, I could break them. You know, it's funny. I said this earlier to myself because nobody else is here, but I, I, I said, I was like, man, this, this chair is a little wobbly. And so I said, I think I'll switch it with this other chair. And so I went over to the other chair and I, I grabbed it and I was like, oh, it's wobbly too. So I said, oh, well, that's cool. No doubt. So I sat back on it and I know nobody could see me but you, but uh, so I'm leaning forward in it. And all of a sudden, I guess me leaning forward, it was not the business. So there you go. I don't know what's going on with this chair, but that's probably, oh, I know. It's got two screws out of four in it, so there you go. That's why. Always breaking something at Airbnb, huh, you? No, not me, dude. I am the one guy. You don't have to worry about me. I'm never going to break anything at the Airbnb. I'll say this, though. As I was going through all my issues yesterday trying to get connected uh, so we could do the show, uh, I'm looking for this a modem so I could just plug into a modem. I'm thinking, okay, if you have internet, you've got to have a modem somewhere. So I'm laying on the ground. I'm looking underneath the bed. I mean, this is the real scene, dude. There's, you know, there's a couple chairs here. I'm looking behind them. I'm looking behind a mirror. I'm in the bathroom looking. I mean, I'm everywhere. I'm behind the washing machine. I'm everywhere looking for this modem. And come to find out, it's up in the closet, like on the top of the, I don't know, it's really high up in the closet. So I find it and then realize, okay, I'm going to have to do the show from the closet. So I move this table. And I decide I'm going to sit it right there in the closet so I can set up uh, the equipment and everything and plug into the modem. I plug into the modem, which is high in the closet, only to find out that the equipment doesn't connect. And so I'm thinking, how in the hell does it not connect when it's a, a, a modem? So after I went through a whole lot of going through this, I don't know, this beautiful building. I mean, look, you know, when I go to Airbnbs, it's usually hit or miss. It's like, okay, sometimes they're really nice, sometimes they're terrible. Uh, Phoenix, Arizona, the last time for the owners' meetings was so-so. It was kind of like, yeah, I don't want to do this again. This place is really nice. Don't get me wrong. But this place is too nice. It is so nice that, DeMond, there is not one outlet in the whole building that you could plug into an internet. Like, there's not one plug. You know how if we go... I don't know. Oh, if I'm at home and I'm doing the show from home and I just plug in the, our, our – we call it the BrickLink. We plug in our BrickLink to the back of the modem. It connects, and then I can do the show. There is not one little plug for an Ethernet in the building. Not one. You know, it looks like a phone jack. There's not one in the whole building. And so uh, the, the ladies downstairs were really nice to me. They, uh, they had me going – you know, we went through all the different, like, meeting rooms that they have. They have a – uh, 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 like a play area, down a common ground area. We went through all these different rooms. They even went through their offices to see if there was uh, a, a place to plug into the Internet and only to find out that there wasn't. They called maintenance and, and checked, and they're like, no, there's not. And then so I said, well, what about the modem that's in the closet? How come it doesn't work? Oh, yeah, that one doesn't work. That one's not uh, – that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work in that unit. It's actually next door. So I said, well – is there someone in next door's unit? Can I go and can I go and use that? And he said, No, someone's someone's occupying that. So then I got I got creative. I said, Well, can we just plug the internet line into their modem and run it all the way through the you know, like I'll go buy extra long Ethernet line and I'll just run it into my my place and plug it in and then we can unplug it after the show's over and they're like, Yeah, that's not gonna work. So <laughs> I tried everything. I exhausted all options. 
trying to get on the air yesterday, but you should have seen me, and you know me, so you know how frustrated I was getting trying to uh, get on the show and not be able to. But it's a great place that we're at, and uh, I'm excited to have uh, that we're here. And then tomorrow and Friday, we'll actually be at the site of the draft, and we'll be on Radio Row, so we'll be all good to go there. Coming up in just a few minutes, Nate Geary, Bills pregame show as uh, our mock draft continues to cover all things Bills. What do the Buffalo Bills need to add to their roster? What are they going to be looking for? Following him, Jay Morrison from The Athletic will join us to talk all things Bengals. 3 o'clock, Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints. We'll talk all things Saints. We'll ask him about uh, QB1 there in New Orleans. And then at 4 o'clock, Blair Kirkhoff joins us to talk all things Chiefs. He's a longtime writer here in Kansas City. He's fantastic. And in between Ross Jackson and Blair Kirkhoff, we'll send a text to our good friend Mike Gill, who covers the Eagles out there in Atlantic City, and he'll give us the pick there. And then we'll be done. Then our mock draft will be officially done. And, again, Jared and DeMond did a really good job holding it down yesterday while I was not able to. Also, uh, sometime between today and tomorrow, you'll hear from C.J. Stroud, Jalen Carter, Anthony Richardson, Tyree Wilson, Christian Gonzalez, Joel Klatt, Daniel Jeremiah, and also uh, Charles Davis, all guys I had an opportunity to talk to earlier today. But I do want to throw a show question out there before we get to Nate Geary to kick us off for the opening drive. The show question I want to throw out there, and DeMond, I want to hear from you first. The Raiders have 12 picks heading into the draft. It all gets started tomorrow. They currently have 12, and this is a question that I asked Daniel Jeremiah as well. How would you like to see them maximize them, make the most of those picks? Like, what do they – now that it's here, now that the draft's here, we've spent weeks on top of weeks on top of months talking about what they need, what they don't need, uh, don't reach for this, don't reach for that. Now that it's here, now that you're sitting in the war room, what do they need to do? If you have 12 picks in your hand and you're the Raiders, what do they need to come out of this draft with feeling good about themselves, knowing that they turn the roster around? Because that's ultimately the goal for Dave Ziegler is to turn the roster around, get as much talent coming out of this draft to add to who they have right now on the current roster and provide that competition during training camp. So with 12 picks heading into the draft starting tomorrow, how would you like to see the Raiders maximize them? What do you think it would take for them to maximize and make the most of those picks? 69187, keyword R&R. That's the don'tbebroke.com text line. And when we don't have a guest, you can always give us a call at 702-365-9200. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Thank you, thank you, Paul Padalaw. We do appreciate him for the opening drive, and we'll get to our first guest, Nate Geary, a pre- and post-game show for the Buffalo Bills. We'll get to him in a hot minute, but just going back and thinking to the question about maximizing the picks that the Raiders have. They have 12, and I've been very adamant about they're not going to use all 12. At least they're not going to select 12 players. They're going to use all 12, but they're going to use them to, to target a few players, I do believe. Um, I, I think that they, they very well easily could sit right there at number seven and let the best player fall to them, whether that they feel like is a quarterback, a defensive player, whatever the case may be. Hell, they might go offensive line. There's a lot of question about that. But at the end of the day, for the Raiders to maximize those 12 picks that they have, I do believe that they've got to get at least three guys that they feel like can start to start the season. Like, they can start immediately. So that doesn't count a quarterback because a quarterback, in my opinion, is not starting immediately. So I think they need to have at least three starters, and they need to have at least five guys who they feel like could be, could be starters. And, of course, for me, the, all the attention is on the defensive side of things. There will be one quarterback in there at some point that they draft, but most of the attention, as far as I'm concerned, will come from the defensive side of things. So you've got to get a starting cornerback. 
You've got to add someone in the interior, defensive tackle. And I'll say, I want to say a linebacker as well, because a linebacker, I, I think that you're basically impacting all elements. If you can get an extra edge rusher as well, that'd be great. Or maybe a Tyree Wilson who could do both, right? Play inside and outside, that'd be fantastic. But I think he'll probably be gone by seven. But a cornerback, a defensive tackle, and a linebacker have to be guys that have the potential to be starters in September, in my opinion. But 69187, keyword R&R, let me know what you think. How do the Raiders maximize the 12 picks that they have going into tomorrow's draft? Now joining us on the phone lines is our good friend covering the Buffalo Bills. That's Nate Geary. He does the Bills pregame show on WGR 550. And, Nate, thanks so much for your time. Oh, man, I do appreciate you. And what's the temperature, man, in, in Buffalo? And I don't mean outside. I mean with the draft being here tomorrow. Uh, how pumped up are the folks in Buffalo? Uh, I was going to tell you, it's, it's it's pretty chilly. We're, uh, we had a nice little week, and now it's chilly again. But uh, in terms of the temperature for the draft, it's funny. It kind of feels like there are some – I think I saw a pro football focus that uh, a little tweet earlier about fan bases that have done the most uh, mock drafts, and the Bills were like kind of in like the bottom five, bottom seven. Um, and I think a big reason for that is, where, A, where they're picking. Um, B, the positions kind of of need or where I think a lot of Bills fans think they're going to go and likely defense. So I think that it's because it's not sexy, because it's going to be a late first round pick, that that maybe people aren't as jazzed up as they were, you know. And listen, this is kind of what happens when you draft in the late twenties and the thirties, um, kind of year after year. Uh, something that I think Bills fans maybe aren't exactly yet accustomed to is that you know the the the, the lust of the draft sort of dies down because you're not necessarily getting a guy that's going to walk in off the boat and, and off the bus and kind of be a, a game changer for you like you would be if they're the top five, top ten pick. Would Buffalo be interested in one of the top running backs? Uh, B. John Robinson, I think, is going to be a top 10, but is there any chance that Buffalo would be looking at Gibbs thinking, yeah, you know what, where we're picking, that'd be a good fit in Buffalo? I don't, I don't think so. Um, okay. You know, they, they invested in signing, um, you know, the, the running back uh, from, uh, from New England and, and Harris, and, like, I, I think that he's going to sort of be your, your 1B, and, and they – they spent a second-round pick last season on James Cook. They spent a third-round pick the year before, um, and they spent a third-round pick the year before that on Devin Singletary. So that's three day-two picks yeah. on running backs over the last three seasons. It's a lot of assets at the running back position, and, and I think they want to give James Cook the real opportunity to not necessarily be a bell cow, but be a feature back that Damon Harris can kind of come in and be a, a more power back in some of those short-yarded situations. And listen, I, I think uh, – you know, last year James Cook was four carries away from qualifying um, to be the the best, or the, the in terms of qualified number of carries, um, he would have been the highest yards per carry average in the league. He was four yards short uh, of that of that benchmark to hit. So, um, yeah, he he showed a lot of uh, he showed a lot. Of, he he fumbled on his very first carry of his career, and I think it put him in the doghouse a little bit. And then once he started earning the trust of his teammates and the coaching staff. He really came on as a really big weapon for this Bills offense. I expect that 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 role to grow. Um, so no, I I don't really think the Bills are in the market for for taking a running back early in this draft. You know, maybe later on, fifth, sixth round, they don't have a seventh round pick. Maybe UDFA because they do need another body. But mm-hmm. like, I mean, they, they've got Nyan Hines that they traded for last year. Um, they got James Coker they drafted, and they signed Damon Harris. I, I think that's that's a pretty solid room for them. Yeah, it sounds like they got a stable of backs, and maybe a little bit later on in the draft when they're getting those those players that are going to really special be on special teams as well. Maybe they'll address that running back position then. But that makes a lot of sense. Again, Nate Geary is our guest. Bills pregame show WGR five fifty here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Unnecessary roughness. Demond's got one for you. 
I've got to ask, how confident are the Bills' front office or even the coaching staff that Von Miller is going to come back at 100%? And should they be looking at maybe someone to come off the edge in the first round? Friend of the show, Von Miller, by Friend the way. Friend of the show, of course. <laughs> this is such a, a tough question because I think for the first time in the last couple of drafts, this is a defense that has some holes to fill. Tremaine Edmonds is a big loss for them in free agency, goes to the Bears, and it sort of leaves a gaping hole at the middle linebacker position. And, you know, if you know anything about Sean McDermott, um, is his defenses have sort of been quarterbacked and piloted by that linebacker, right? Luke Keekley in Carolina and then Tremaine Edmonds in, in McDermott's first five seasons here in Buffalo. Um, I, I think there's a real need for that Mike linebacker position. They did not really replace him in free agency. Um, I, I think that that's where really where you might have to look if you're adding to this defense. But they re-signed Shaq Lawson. Uh, uh, actually, they, he was a former first-round pick of the Bills from Clemson uh, a few years ago that left in free agency, and then they brought him back last year. And there was really an argument to be made. He was their most consistent edge setter um, after Von Miller went out with injury. Um, they, they had a first-round pick in uh, Greg Rousseau two years ago at the edge position. Then they went back and back-to-back picks in the second round and picked Boogie Basham, who's been pretty largely disappointing um, since coming into the league for his first two years. I, I would tell you Bills fans might pull their hair out um, if they take another edge player because this is a defense right now that believe it or not, guys, they do not have any edge players, any, I'm sorry, any defensive tackles, interior defensive linemen under contract next year. Ed Oliver's on his fifth year mm. option. Uh, Daquan Jones, who was a really nice pickup for them last year, his contract expires. He's going to be 33 next year. Um, Jay, uh, and then they, they signed uh, Jordan Phillips to a one year deal. Um, yeah, so guys like, and, and Tim Settles on an expiring contract. Their top four defensive tackles going into the season all are an expiring contract. So I think if there's a sneaky position, it might not be edge. Because they've got numbers, at least, that really might be defensive tackle, knowing that they've got to build something and, and get some, some potential future uh, opportunities there for defensive tackle. Is there a chance, Nate, in your mind that Ed Oliver could be a draft day trade, whether it's day one, day two, or even uh, Saturday, day three? I guess it would have to – you'd have to have something back either at that position or a high enough pick to get a guy that you think you can plug and play. I, I just think in a Super Bowl window that the Bills are still in, removing a starting caliber player from a position that you don't really feel you have a ton of depth in, um, I think could be a slippery slope. So I think for me, like you want to be able to, I think, hold on to Ed Oliver, get him in a contract year where, you know, let's be honest, mm-hmm. that, these, these players in contract years, this is an opportunity for them to play their best football and get paid. So like maybe that gives the Ed Oliver the opportunity this year in a contract year to, to really go out and get paid and, if you could do that in this Bills defense, I think there's a lot of – listen, part of this too, guys, is when Von Miller went out, there was not just a Von Miller's out, now you're, you're missing one of the best edge rushers in football. There was a ripple effect. Uh, Ed Oliver was playing the best football of his career before the Ed Oliver injury. Greg Rousseau uh, was looking like he was taking a real step at the other side uh, on the edge and only got to play a couple of games because he got injured with an ankle injury that kept him out and then came back when Von came back. So when Von Miller went out, there was a big-time ripple effect in the, the value and the level of play that you saw along the entire defensive line. When it comes to Ken Dorsey's offense, could they be in the market for a first-round receiver at a skill position? We all know about Stephon Diggs, but is Gabriel Davis, is he solidified that number two spot down there in Buffalo? I think if you, ask, if you pulled the fan base, probably 80% of people would say no, he hasn't done enough to really secure that number two position. He's also going to be a free agent next year, and I think that plays into this decision a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, they go out. I really like the signing of Deontay Hardy, um, the, the slot receiver out of New Orleans. They go out and they sign Trent Sherfield um, from Miami, who, you know, I think played well at times last year. But they really don't have that number two outside receiver behind David Davis 
and, and is Jordan Addison that guy? Is Dave Flowers that guy? Those are guys that are, you know, small. I really wouldn't call them boundary receivers in the NFL. They didn't run four threes. And when you're under 180 pounds, you're 175, 170 pounds, and you're not running that four three, um, in the NFL, that could be a tough, tough thing. And, and even if the Bills do decide, the guy I really like is Josh Downs, the wide receiver from North Carolina, but that's not a guy that's really going to press Gabriel Davis for, for boundary reps. So I, I think that the, in Jalen Hyatt, and I, you know, I kind of looked at the board right before I got on before the mock draft here. And I was a little disappointed. Not, not that I think the bills or myself would have taken Jalen Hyatt if he was available at 27, but he sort of represents the type of receiver, Quinton Johnson, maybe the type of receiver that could actually compete with Gabriel Davis as another boundary receiver. But I, I just, I can't imagine the bills spending a first round pick on as much as I like Jordan Addison um, or Zay Flowers. I'm a guy that is just that small and really kind of built for the, for the slot in the NFL, not the boundary. I'm glad that you've looked at the board already because with the 27th pick in the 2023 NFL draft, who are the Buffalo Bills selecting? This is tough, guys. Uh, I've sort of teetered back and forth, but i got to stay consistent with the mock draft that I did yesterday, and I'm going to go with linebacker Trenton Simpson- from Clemson, and it is about as big of a toss-up, guys, as you could possibly get between he and Jack Campbell. I think Jack Campbell really kind of fits the same exact mold that you had in Tremaine Edmonds. Big, long, 6'5", rangy, can be a good run defender, is, is kind of maybe a more true middle linebacker. But Simpson gives you maybe the highest athletic profile you're going to get in this draft. 6'3", 235, ran a 4-4-3. Now, he doesn't maybe have the size you want for an NFL middle linebacker, a Mike linebacker, but I think with that athletic profile, the way the NFL is, teams throwing the football, you want a guy that can cover slot receivers, that can cover tight ends, that can cover running backs. To me, that's Simpson. So with that athletic profile, I think he gets the nudge for me. If you would have asked me last week, I'd probably say Jack Campbell. But I've really moved in the direction of Trent Simpson as being this pick for the Bills at 27, especially if the board falls away that it does. In Kansas City right now, had an opportunity to talk to a lot of these NFL draft analysts, and I've heard that Simpson name multiple times uh, associated with the first round, right? A guy that most people thought was a second rounder at one point. Sounds like he could be sneaking into the first rounds. That sounds like a, a really good pick. So you're feeling pretty confident that, uh, that the linebacker position is going to get filled uh, immediately by the, by the Bills. I think they have to. They brought back A.J. Klein, who's been kind of a part-time player for the Bills the last couple of seasons. Um, they've, got, they've got Dotson in the middle, who's been a kind of a special teams player. I, I don't think that they can really rely on him. They drafted um, a Terrell Bernard out of Baylor two years ago in the third yeah. round. He's undersized. I'm sorry, actually it was last year. He's very undersized, um, has, a, has a lot of good IQ, but, I mean, he is small. Um, and, and I think that that really kind of concerns them in terms of being able to play Mike in the NFL. And then they, they also had an undrafted free agent, or maybe he was like a seventh-round pick, Balin Specter, who they actually like a lot. But I, I think it's a team that's got to address it. It's a hole. If there's one hole in this defense, it's middle linebacker, and they did almost nothing in free agency to really fill it with somebody that I think can play every down next to Matalano. Well, we'll know sooner rather than later, right? Tomorrow it all goes down for real. We'll find out who Buffalo and everyone else in the league gets in the first round of the 2023 NFL Draft. Nate, great stuff, man. It's always great to catch up with you. What you got cooking that uh, we should be on the lookout for? I will be manning all of the draft coverage over the next few days uh, over on WGR. So 7 to midnight Eastern tomorrow, uh, 7 to midnight Eastern Friday, and then 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern uh, on Saturday. So I got uh, about 15 or so hours of draft coverage coming (laughs) your way here, uh, and I'm looking forward to it, man. You know, this is like, it's like sort of, 
you know, we, we're not in school anymore because we're, we're old men now, right? Right. So this is kind of our, uh, this is kind of like cramming for finals, uh, and I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for the final. I'm ready for the test. Let's just put it that way. I'm not mad at you, man. Well, keep up the great work. Congratulations. That's going to be a ton of fun covering the draft all three days. Keep it up, man. We'll talk soon, and we appreciate you this afternoon. Always, fellas. Always, and it's uh, great to talk to both of you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nate Geary, fantastic job. That's going to be fun, man, doing all three days. And, of course, we got all wall-to-wall coverage here on Radio Nation Radio 920 as well. As tomorrow I'll be doing 12-3, to 3, filling in for JT the Brick. But I'll be doing it here from KC and then pitching it to JT from 3 to 5. Him and Eric Allen at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. They'll be pitching it to Lincoln Kennedy. It's wall-to-wall coverage here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So, Damon, go ahead and put Trenton Simpson up on the board next to the Bills. Coming up next, Jay Morrison from The Athletic will tell you what the Bengals are going to do. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 2.31 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. We threw the question out there to you on the don'tbebroke.com text line. The Raiders have 12 picks heading into the draft. How would you like to see them maximize or make the most of those picks as they attempt, Dave Ziegler and company attempt to turn the roster around and add a lot of talent, especially on the defensive side of things? One quick text from Jordan in Utah County. I think the Raiders, to maximize their draft picks, is to take the best player available, whether it's O-line, D-line, whatever the position group they take it at each pick, let it be the best player on the board at the time. So real simple, right to the point, that's Jordan in Utah County. Joining us now on the phone line as we continue with our mock draft here on Unnecessary Roughness is our good friend Jay Morrison from The Athletic. Does a fantastic job covering the Cincinnati Bengals. Been knowing Jay for a long time. And, Jay, I appreciate your time. Before we get into what the Bengals may need in this upcoming draft, how does the Jalen Hurts contract extension, how does that affect what goes on with Joe Burrow as uh, he'll be getting a contract extension sooner rather than later? Uh, I just I think it just kind of sets a, a bar. Um, I would expect that I don't think Joe's going to blow that number out of the water, the the fifty one million average per year, but it he's going to top it, and mm-hmm. it's uh, going to be kind of a standoff here. I think to see who goes first, him or Justin Herbert, and whoever goes last will probably be the highest paid guy. Maybe that's what Joe's waiting on. It feels like this is just a matter of 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 when, not if, and. By picking up the fifth-year option yesterday, they, they basically sent a message that, hey, we are totally focused on the draft, and we'll reopen the talks on a new contract after the draft. Did you ever think, and you've been covering the league for a long time, did you ever think that we'd be talking about $51 million a year for a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, you could see it coming down the road once it started <laughs> ticking up there, but it, it is crazy. It's And who knows? I mean, how long is it going to be before we're talking 100 million? And right. how high is the salary cap going to go? It's, it's not going. It's not going the other way. It's only getting bigger. And I hope I'm alive to see 100 million dollars. <laughs> right, no doubt. I hope that I'm worthy of some kind of paycheck that is like, wow, I never saw that for a radio guy. I want to be that guy. <laughs> so, we'll see how that goes. Jay Morrison is our guest with the Athletic here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. So Jay, as the Bengals go into the draft coming up tomorrow as it gets started, I'm here live in Kansas City right now. What are their biggest needs? What, what, what areas of, okay, let's go ahead and fill this spot, do you think that they'll be looking to do, especially early on in the draft? Well, that's the issue. Their biggest needs are not going to be what they target early in the draft because they're non-premium positions. They need yeah. a tight end. 
They need a running back. I can't see them spending a first-round pick on, on either of those positions. So uh, I think you're, you're going to see them come out of a Thursday and Friday with a cornerback and either an edge rusher or a three technique. And that they're, once they get those two defensive guys, the rest of the draft is going to be all offense. They probably could use another offensive lineman. They might double up at tight end. They might double up at running back. And then they, they have maybe the best wide receiver trio in the league, but there's not a lot behind it. And, and Tyler Boyd, it's the last year of his deal. And, and um, T. Higgins, it's the last year of his deal. And, yes, they're interested in extending him, but we'll, we'll see if there's enough money left over for that after Joe's contract. So they need to restock the pool at wide receiver. Um, that could be another one. It would not surprise me to see him a target in the first round, but at, at some point they're going to get a wide receiver and maybe a second one later in the draft. What is the feeling around Joe Mixon? You mentioned the running back position. All of a sudden it just clicked in my head like, oh, wait, hold on. There's issues with Joe Mixon. What, what's, what's the feeling around him right now? So he's still facing a, a court case for this aggravated menacing charge where he, he allegedly waved a gun at a, a woman in traffic. It's a misdemeanor. It's a bad look. It's a misdemeanor. So even if he's right. found guilty, I don't, I don't think you're going to see the Bengals react in any way. But the, the bigger issue with him is his contract. He's owed $12.8 million this year. No way the Bengals ha- have him play this year on that deal. They, if they haven't already – they are going to ask him to take a pay cut. And it's interesting that he has showed up. He's been around the first two weeks of voluntary workouts. It's like he's sending a message. He knows that he's pro- this is probably coming down the pike. He wants to stay a part of this team. Yes, he could probably decline the pay cut and go see what his value is on the open market, but I don't think anybody's going to value him more than the Bengals do. So it's going to be a matter of what that number lowers to. Um, and he's, he's probably it's like last year when he was split with Smaj P. Ryan. They're going to get a young guy in the draft, maybe two. Uh, maybe a couple more in undrafted free agency, and they're they're going to see if uh, if they can do a shared load thing again with with Joe, who's getting up there in age, uh, going into year seven, and and a rookie. Jay Morrison is our guest from the Athletic, talking all things Bengals here on Red Nation Radio nine twenty. Unnecessary roughness. Demond's got one for you. Maybe it won't affect them when it comes to the actual draft, but the signing of Orlando Brown. How does that shake up the mm-hmm. offensive line for the Bengals? Well, it shook up Jonah Williams, that's for sure. He's been their starting left tackle for three years. And he was he was uh, caught off guard, as I think everybody was. Even people inside the Bengals building were caught off guard when Orlando Brown became available, and they all of a sudden had money to actually get him because guys that they wanted to resign opted to sign elsewhere. So he signs as a left tackle, and it, it, the writing's on the wall that Jonah's going to have to play right. Jonah requested a trade. He's due $12.6 million guaranteed this year on the fifth-year option. Um, so he's not going to he's not going to hold out and turn that down, and the Bengals aren't going to cower to a trade request if he's their best option. They're they're going to say we respect your your wishes, but we're not going to trade you. We're, we want to try to win a Super Bowl here. So a lot is going to come down to if they draft a tackle in the first round, um, and, and he's looking like he could be the starter this year. Then then maybe they do move Jonah in in training camp especially if a contending team has a tackle go down and all of a sudden the, the Bengals have a little more leverage and can get more for Jonah. The interesting piece here is uh, Lael Collins was the starting right tackle all of last year. He tore his ACL on Christmas. He's, he's very optimistic about his recovery, but you're still, it, it, it would be really, really rare for a guy his size to come back and be ready to play week one. So that one's hanging out there too. And then you have, Jackson Carmen, their, their second-round pick from a couple of years ago, played really well once Lael Collins went down in the playoffs. So is he an answer? I, I think you're just going to see them 
maybe take a tackle at some point in the draft and just throw as many darts at that right tackle position as they can because the rest of the line is set. I know that the teams, when you're picking so late inside the first round, they're not the guys that the high-profile picks that you want, but that's a good thing because those means that, you know, you're making those runs in the playoffs. But do you think that the Bengals maybe would try to trade up to get one of those premier cornerbacks earlier in the first round? No, 0% chance they'll move up. Um, it's just not in the <laughs> DNA. It's not something that they typically do when they have done it. Uh, years, decades ago, it did not work out well. See Kajana Carter, see Big Daddy Wilkinson. So the, the more likely, and maybe you guys would know, I, I think the, the Raiders could be a partner. I think the more likely scenario is they trade back. They trade out of the first round. This mm-hmm. draft would, it would really do them well to pick up another third or fourth round pick. Then you would feel like they could really address everything they need to address. And, you trade down from 28 to 34, 35, 36, whatever that is, you're still talking about the same pool of players, and now all of a sudden you've got that extra mid-round pick where the, the draft is flush with cornerbacks and tight ends and running backs, and that's where those runs are going to – maybe not cornerback, the run's going to hit a little earlier. The tight end and running back, third, fourth round, is where those, those guys are going to really start coming off the board. The Bengals could use an extra pick there. Again, Jay Morrison is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 talking all things Cincinnati Bengals. So it sounds like that that would be uh, their ideal scenario, Jay, would be a, a trade back and collect, and collect those extra picks because they don't have as much capital as the Raiders do who have 12 picks going into tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know if it would be ideal because if there's a – you see this every year. Somebody slides. Like last yeah. year, Dax Hill, they had him 11 on their big board. He was there at 31. They were thrilled to get him. He was he was insurance against Jesse Bates. If he did hold out, and now that Jesse's moved on, he's now the starter. So if there's somebody there, I don't I don't think it, that they really like that they have a first round grade on that slides to them at 28. I don't think they would make the trade. But if all their top you know 11, 12, 13, whatever their big their first round big board looks like, if all those guys are gone, I do think they would make a trade. Something else I want to ask you about, because you talk about Jesse Bates, him, him moving on when it comes to you know the safety position, is Brian Branch, is that not a player that they would value? I know you said that it's not you know a high-value position, but would they not tra- take him if he was there for him? I mean, they might. It's, it's, it's interesting because they, they feel good about Dax Hill, and they signed Nick Scott from the Rams in free agency. So they've, already, they've got their two starters to replace Jesse Bates and Bon Bell, but the only other safety on the roster right now is an 11-year veteran, Michael Thomas, who's an incredible leader and a great special teams guy. But his days are past as a safety, so they need depth there. And this is a, a franchise that really values stocking the secondary with high-round picks and, and going after and filling those needs the year before they need it. Um, so that's why I, I – a lot of the mocks I've done, I haven't had them picking a safety, but I a guy like Brian Branch, I don't know if, he, if they could turn him down if he was there. You don't see him taking safeties in the first round very often, but they, they need a backup at that position, um, a, a backup this year, and then a succession plan once Dax Hill and, and uh, Nick Scott move on. All right, so with the 28th pick in the 2023 Unnecessary Roughness NFL mock draft, Jay Morrison, who are you taking? So I'm going to go with the position we didn't even talk about. Um, <laughs> unless the Raiders want to trade up and get in and Hooker, and, and the Bengals would gladly trade back into the second round. But uh, actually, this is a case where I don't think they would do that because uh, Miles Murphy from Clemson is still available, and they need more help. They need more pass rush juice. He's a guy – he, he's 
it was like he was built in a lab to play for the mm-hmm. Bengals with, with the character and the effort, the consistency, the measurables. He hits every perfect box for this Bengals team. He can move inside and, and play three technique on third downs. And you've got Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, E.J. Hill, and, and a, a rookie, and, and Miles Murphy wreaking havoc. So um, also the Bengals' uh, defensive line coach went to Clemson, and he ran the drills down there at Murphy's Pro Day. So I just if, if Miles Murphy is available, I think the Bengals run to the podium to draft him. That's a dude. That is a dude right there. What, 6'5", 276? I mean, that dude is an absolute monster. I, I can see that. Jay, I wanted to ask you, man, what's the temperature of just kind of like the Bengal fan base now that, like Joe Burrow said, uh, the window of opportunity is as long as Joe Burrow's the quarterback. It looks like that that's what it really is. How, how are Bengal fans now feeling after a long, long drought of success? Yeah, it's amazing to see what this franchise has done. It's not just the winning. It's the way that they hired – Mike Brown's granddaughter to be the director of fan engagement. And they have for so long fans felt like the Bengals didn't respect them, didn't value them. And it was like this wall between the fan base and the team. And that has been broken down. They have, they are, they've asked for years for a ring of honor. And Elizabeth, Elizabeth came in and got that done. Um, but the white tiger uh, with the white helmet, all the little things the fans have asked for new uniforms, they, the, the, the team has done that. They're number one in the league in social media engagement. They just, wow. They've done such a good job of, of reaching out to the, the fan base. And, again, winning trumps everything. That's what's getting a lot of these people here. But the, the Bengal fan base right now really feels like they're not just watching something special build and grow. They feel a part of it. And it's, it's remarkable because, they're, they're, like I said, there's always been this – this weird, almost like a cold war between the fans and the team, and it, that has totally gone away. That's awesome. It really is. It's great when the fan base feels part of the, the team and feels like part of the family, and it's, that's, that's awesome. So yeah. I'm happy for Bengal fans. It's been a long, long time, and I know Raider Nation will be super fired up when their, uh, their team is winning again as well, and uh, then they can feel the same way the Cincinnati fans are feeling right now. Well, Jay, fantastic stuff as always, my man. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? So my final mock draft is probably dropping right about now, and then nice. uh, I'm not working on anything. I'm going to a concert tonight, and then I'll, I'll sit down and watch the draft this weekend, and we'll have all kinds of coverage on the draft itself. But the hay is in the barn, so to speak. I heard that. What concert are you going to? Uh, an 80s rock band, Tesla. Oh, I know Tesla. I remember them from back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, before Elon Musk sullied the name. They, they were really something special, and they still tour a lot. We go see them every time they come around. So I'm actually at the hotel right now getting ready to walk over to the venue. Nice, nice. Well, enjoy the concert, my man. We always appreciate you when you join the show. Great work as always. We'll talk soon, and like I said, enjoy the show tonight. All right, will do. Thanks for having me on. All right, there he goes, Jay Morrison from The Athletic, my guy right there. I remember Tesla back in the day. You know why I remember them? I tell you all the time, I had neighbors that, that listened to everything, man, and I always, Gray and Garth, they were twins. They didn't look like each other, but they were twins, and uh, Tesla was one of them, them bands that they listened to all the time. Did you and, think that the, the Tesla songs were their original songs, too? Uh, no, that wasn't, no, that was oh. Michael and, uh, Oh, okay, that was, oh, different set of friends. That was Michael and Brian, yeah, that was my other neighbors that played the music in the garage, and I thought that, uh, I thought Queen was, was Michael, I thought Brian and Michael, they, they were, uh, Queen, I had no idea until I heard Queen do it, I was like, oh, that's, that's Brian and Michael's song, they're like, what? Uh, no, that's their song, Brian and Michael sing it, I was like, oh, my bad, I'm learning. 
I'm learning. But there you go. Uh, I like it. Another pick in the books for us here on Unnecessary Roughness on our mock draft that we got rolling on. 2.46 at the time. We'll get to your calls and texts. We'll do it next as we close out hour number one. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. And we are in Kansas City thanks to Paul Law, also Subaru of Las Vegas. Wall-to-wall coverage of the 2023 NFL Draft. Of course, I'm here in Kansas City. JT the Brick, Eric Allen, Lincoln Kennedy will all be in locations across the Las Vegas area. JT and Eric Allen will be at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center starting at 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, 3 to 5. Uh, Lincoln Kennedy will be at the Raiders draft party, and they'll be chiming in on the show from there. Uh, Wall-to-wall coverage all weekend long. Excited about what we're bringing to you here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So what we got, the question I threw out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line, you can chime in as well, 702-365-9200. The Raiders have 12 picks heading into the draft. How would you like to see them maximize or make the most of those picks? James and KC, he's in KC. Hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line. With pick seven, take a defensive game changer on the defensive line or a cornerback. Use some other picks to move up to get impact players and get a good linebacker at some point. Maybe round two, get Campbell from Iowa. That's from James and KC. And that's the thing about it, man. If you can get a difference maker at number seven, that's that already starts you out on the right foot, right? And I don't care. I've said it multiple times. I don't care if it's a defensive lineman or a cornerback as long as it's a difference maker, right? Go get that guy. That's fine. I'm good with that. And if you can use some of those other picks to navigate through the draft and kind of pinpoint some guys that you want, JT said it. I know I've said it multiple times. Uh, we came on the show a couple weeks ago and said, I think that my gut feeling tells me that the Raiders are going to have two first-round picks uh, after tomorrow. Like, there's going to be two guys we're going to be talking about the Raiders took in round one. Just because they have so many picks, I feel like they can move up into the back end of round one. Maybe get a guy like Emmanuel Forbes. Maybe get a guy like a Miles Murphy. Maybe get, I mean, just... There's all kind of guys that could be slipping. You know, Simpson, maybe he's available. Uh, a lot of different options for the Raiders uh, at the back end of round one that they can, you know, flirt with and, and think about thinking about making the move up there for because they have so many of those picks. And, again, I don't think they're, they're going to actually make 12 selections. But I want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Don't be broke. Com, text line 69187, keyword R&R. Let's hear from our guy, Hardcore Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q, uh, draft day almost here. Uh, I'll try to make it quick. You know, this will be my last pitch for the Hen and Hooker. But <laughs> go, go, going, going into this draft, I, like, I'm very well aware, as all of us are, that we need defense. You know, like, no matter what route the Raiders go, we definitely need at least two defensive starters before the third round even begins. Okay. Whether that's a trade-back scenario, trade-up. Um, I'm, I'm even a fan of using maybe a second-round pick next year and leveraging some of the picks we have this year to move up and get an extra second-round pick. So if we could somehow figure out a way to get two second-round picks, dream scenario with three uh, second-round picks, then that may be a little unrealistic. But, you know, I think we could come out of this draft with at least two to potentially three defensive starters coming out of this draft. And the last thing I'll just say about the quarterback position with Hinton Hooker and kind of how I came to this conclusion is, look, you know, there's teams like the Panthers, and they might get their starting quarterback, you know, and it might be great for them. But they're leveraging, you know, like, I like I like C.J. Stroud, but they're leveraging so much of future success and draft picks that I just, I don't like that scenario if you have to trade that much to go get your uh, future franchise quarterback, you know. Right. It's mm-hmm. just too much. And then the, the other scenario is you're getting mediocre quarterbacks, you know. My whole thing on Hinton Hooker, besides watching the tape, the footwork, his le- leadership, uh, he just he's a stud, man, and he's slept on. If you, if you don't have to trade anything and you can develop him, because that's the other thing, I think 
you know, we throw these guys in the frying pan and they're not ready to be starters day one. The best scenarios are quarterbacks that can sit for a year without that pressure on them. And mm-hmm. then they're ready to roll year two. So that's why I've been a huge proponent of Hendon Hooker because we don't have to leverage anything. And I really think there's just something special about this guy that whether the Raiders get him, I hope they get him, but or another team, he's going to be a super stud just like Jalen Hurts. And all the Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And I, I, I hope for your sake that they do get Hendon Hooker. I would be happy, man. I would love to come into the show tomorrow or even on Friday or whatever the case may be and just say, man, Hardcore Raider is happy now. They got Hendon Hooker. He's going to go out and get his jersey. Uh, I, I, I pull for scenarios like that because I can hear the passion in your voice about Hendon Hooker. And the good thing about the Raiders scenario when it comes to the quarterback, and then we'll get to uh, Rich in Oakland, is that – they don't have to start them right away. That's the beautiful part. That's why I said, hey, if Anthony Richardson falls, why not? If they go for Hendon Hooker, why not? They could sit behind Jimmy G. That's already built in. They don't have the pressure of starting right away. That's a great point. Thank you so much, Hardcore. I appreciate you. Rich, Oakland, you're up next. What's on your mind? Hey, what's up, you? What up, brother? Hey, man, what's going on? I called him man. I don't know. Hey, man, you got to call us back, dog. <laughs> That scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a horror film guy, but that sounded like a scary. Hey, Rick, movie. try again. You sound good. Uh, uh, you hear me now? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> My bad. Nah, it's because I had the AC blasting, man. It's, it's hella hot today in the Bay Area, so I had the AC on full blast. My bad. Got you. You're good, man. You scared me. I thought that was a scary movie. I was like, oh, I ain't gonna sleep at all tonight. <laughs> Hey, my bad, my bad. Hey, man, everybody's scared right now in Raider Nation, though. Everybody, it seems like everybody on Twitter, they get in their, their panic mode right now from all the trauma from, like, you know, past GMs like Mayock with all the first-round blunders, you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. hey, let's have a little confidence in uh, McDaniels and Ziegler. Let's hope that they don't let us down. Just go with either, you know, C.J. Stroud, if you're going to trade up to three, or if he ends up falling somehow. Just either take C.J. Stroud or the best defensive player available. That's all we have to do. Don't try to outsmart nobody else. Just get the best player with the most talent in the building. That way we can start building a championship roster because this defense is depleted. We yeah. need a defense. Defense wins championships. Maybe get our uh, – we, since we got Jimmy as a stopgap uh, stop QB, we could get our rookie QB to mold under him. Hey, man, let's get this ship going in the right direction. That's all I ask for, and I hope it's going to be a great day for Raider Nation tomorrow and for you, Q, because you're a diehard Raider fan like me, brother, and I appreciate you and everything you do. Y'all have a great day. I hey, appreciate you, Rich. Great call, man. Good stuff. And, yeah, it's funny. He said he said that Raider Nation is traumatized, and they're on Twitter, like, freaking out. You know, back in the day, and I don't know if this ever happened to you, DeMond, but back in the day, you used to always could tell uh, the kids that their parents would whoop them and whoop them all the time because, like, someone would flinch, and all of a sudden they'd, like, duck or try to get out the way, like, oh, don't hit me. You, oh, yeah, your mama whoops you. <laughs> yeah, I was that guy. I, <laughs> I was that guy. Hey, I ain't ashamed. I ain't ashamed, you know, especially when I was at my, my friend's house. You know, back in the day, see, you you new booties, you ain't got no worries like that. But back in the day, all adults had the right to whoop you. It wasn't just your parents, man. It didn't matter if it was your mama or your or your mama's friend or whoever's house you were at. If they were an adult, they had the right to whoop you. And so at that point, when someone raised a hand, it was like, ah, I got a duck. <laughs> 2.57 is your time. Sorry, Mom, I'm just I'm telling the truth. Mama ain't mad at that. 2.57 is the time. When we come back, Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints, he'll kick us off on hour number two of the show. Some necessary roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920.